There was a boy who began the prayer at his family who said, Our Father, who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. Amen. You know, when it comes to doing kids stuff or children's stuff in the church, I think that it's so important for us to remember that Jesus told us that if you, if we, if I want to experience the kingdom of God, then I have to come to him as a child. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit today because I want to know how to get to God's heart. I want to know how to experience his kingdom. There's lots of books written about it. But um, Jesus tells us in a few places, you must be like this if you're going to experience the kingdom of God. You must be like this. And children is one, are one of the people, people groups. But unfortunately, children don't have that kind of experience today when they go to church. I don't feel like children are the ones who are like, hey, when the children come in, let's pay attention to them because they're the ones who are showing us most what God looks like. We don't do that, do we? We kind of want children to conform into our image of what they need to be so that, so that we are comfortable with the way that we, we've kind of made God. There's another story. It's after a dedication like we just had this morning. And it says, after the christening of his baby brother in church, Jason sobbed all the way home in the back seat of the car. His father asked him three times, what's wrong? Finally, the boy replied, the preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home. And I wanted to stay with you guys. <laughs> you know, it's so easy for us to make Christianity about good behavior. Living a certain lifestyle. And this morning, I think Jesus wants to remind us that his gospel is about love. At the very core of the gospel, if we were to say what is the most important thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, it would be love. And Jesus teaches us this morning, and if you want to experience that love, then come as a child. The scripture I have is Luke 18, 9 to 17. He also told this parable to some who, were, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Okay, so this is setting it up. This is Luke. All this story about children are in all three of the gospels. And every and all three of the gospels, Jesus is messing around with the Pharisees. Actually, the Pharisees are messing around with him. And and the other two gospels are trying to trick Jesus and they gotta trap him with a divorce question or adultery question. And this gospel in Luke, Luke said, he's surrounded, and he's talking to people who, you know, right here, who trusted in themselves. That's a nice way of saying Pharisee, you know, and their righteousness, what their works would do, all right? And treated others at the temple with contempt. Okay, so that's who this parable is for. And you'll find that right on the tail end of this parable, with the same group of people, he does the, if you want the kingdom, come as a child thing. It's not a mistake. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, 
I am a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. They rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Father, we pray this morning as we look at this scripture that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open us up, that you would just open our, our hearts right up to receive the truth of this word. Holy Spirit, we know that for each of us, where we are is a different place. This scripture was written many years ago, but at the same time, we trust that your word is true today, that your word is given to us as instruction that leads to life. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that we would be led to life as we look at how children can teach us to experience your love and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Life, life, life. Now, I meant to say Luke. Luke. (laughs) Father. Okay, Luke is painting a picture here of what it looks like to be a part of the Father's kingdom. And I'm not going to tell you a lot just on the front end of this. I'm not going to tell you a lot of things probably that you don't know, but I'm going to challenge you probably on the things that you do know but might not have thought about lately, okay? Um, Luke's painting a picture here. What does it look like to be a part of his Father's kingdom? He does this in these three stories by showing the disciples and Pharisees what it does not look like. Works, pious behavior, going to church, being religious. The story that comes after this, I didn't, I didn't tell you, is the story of the rich young ruler. And what does the rich young ruler say? Oh, I'm going to get to that in a minute, okay? And so Luke's trying to show us, look, if you want to experience the kingdom of heaven, you're asking me about the kingdom of heaven. You're asking me what it takes to get to the kingdom of heaven. This is what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like having all the boxes checked. It doesn't look like wearing the right clothes. It doesn't look like having your family in order. It doesn't look like, you know, giving, the, giving money to the church. It doesn't look like going to the temple every day or going to the church whenever it's open. It doesn't look like being nice, being good. It doesn't look like that. That's not what the kingdom of God is. That's not what the kingdom of God looks like. That's not the measuring stick that you're to use when you measure whether or not you're receiving or bringing the kingdom. Does that make sense? I don't like that. I really don't like that. Gene was talking about control last night. We don't like that because that takes all control away, doesn't it? Receiving the kingdom has to do about us understanding what Jesus has done for us and then just receiving it as a gift that we don't deserve. We totally don't deserve the gift of life that comes from Jesus Christ. Yet, if we are going to receive the kingdom, it begins with believing and receiving that gift. Coming to Jesus as we are, allowing him to love us as we are, and then loving him as we are. I think that's the picture that we get when we see children being poured onto Jesus, given to Jesus. Jesus wanted children to come to him for the benefits, not necessarily even of them, but for those that were watching, those that were around him. You want to see what it looks like to be in my father's family? You want to see what my kingdom looks like? Then look at these children. 
Look at how I love them. Look at how I spend time with them. Look how careful I am with them. They just love to be with me. They're not trying to impress me. They have nothing to offer me. They have no guilt. They have no worry. They just have affection and love for me. And they're happy to be held by me. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. People that respond to Jesus the way children do. Fully trusting him. Fully loving him. Desiring to be with him more than anything else. I mean, Jesus didn't mention anything about good works here or good behavior here, did he? No, none. Zero. The gospel at its center is about God's love for us. That's what it's about. The gospel, at the center of the gospel, is about God's love for you and you experiencing that love. Yet many of us feel like in order for us to experience God's love, we have to clean ourselves up. We have to get right with God. We have to stop doing these things. What if I told you? What if I, what if I said, Are you know what I'm going to do right now? Talk to Jesus this morning. He gave me a thousand sins, free sins, thousand free sins. And guess what? I'm going to give them to you. And that's probably two each, okay? So I'm going to give you these two freebie sins, and you can go sin and do whatever you want. You'd be like, Antley's preaching heresy. You can't give away sin. What do you mean? My sins aren't free. They cost Jesus. What? They cost Jesus, right? How much? His life? For how long? Eternity? So in an essence, or in a sense, aren't all your sins free? Aren't all your sins free? Hasn't Jesus paid? That's what we say. We believe in the doctrine of salvation and the doctrine of Christ. His sins covered all. Or he died for all of our sins, right? All of them. In the past, right? That means in the past. The sins that I did, woo, back there. Thank the Lord that you don't know about those. And then the sins that I'm going to commit right now. All right? And then the sin I'm going to commit in the future, right? Did Jesus die for all of those sins? Yes. Are all of those sins covered by Christ? Yes. Yes, they're covered by Christ. Well, Antley, that's just cheap grace. That's just cheap. You know, you're taken away. Yeah, 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 it is. It is cheap. If it costs anything, it'd still be on the shelf at the store. If it costs us anything, we couldn't afford it. It'd still be on the shelf at the store. Grace and salvation are free to us. They've been given to us so that we can experience the Father's love. Now, does that mean, well, then... Two free sins, Antley. I'm going to go sin like it's my job, baby. I'm covered. I'm going to talk about this in two weeks. Why, why then make the effort to please God? Why make an effort? I'm going to, seriously, in two weeks I'm going to talk about that. But we're going to lay that down right there. We're going to leave it right there. Because I think we all agree, Jesus' blood covers everything. Everything. Right? All of our sins have been paid for. We are slaves to Christ. We have died to ourselves, and we are risen in Christ. We are hidden in Christ. What does that mean? That means when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. 
The fancy word is that we have the imputed righteousness of Christ. What Christ accomplished on the cross, we get. You never thought you'd heard me use a word like imputed. It's a guest service. I can say that because it makes me look smart and they might come back. But we believe that. that we believe all that. That is just central to, to what the mainstream, most churches believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet that's not the gospel we sell to our children. When we talk to our children, we talk to our neighbor, or we talk to ourselves. what do we communicate that's important about God? Do we say, man, you want, you want to know about Christianity? Let me show you about Christianity. And you go find your kid, and you're like, dude, I love you so much. You know I love you. I know you love me, Daddy. You, you know, you love me. I love you, Daddy. How do you know that? Because I love to come and play on you. And he runs up to you, and he's playing all over you, playing all over you, loving you. You're loving him. And you're like, this is what the kingdom of God like. Love, 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 love. And then he starts yanking on your ears. I love you, baby. I love when you're yanking on your ears. And then he gets down, and he punches you in the stomach. Oh, I still love you, but that doesn't make me happy. And then he kicks you in the shin. Oh, that hurts too. That hurts. That doesn't please me. But guess what? I still love you. That's a good picture of the kingdom of God. That's how God feels towards us. Always loving us. Always, always, always. Only seeing love for us. We are hidden in Christ, period. That means when we get jacked up and messed up and screw up and hurt people and hurt ourselves and our family, that means God's love for us does not waver a bit. Not one bit. He's not pleased because he knows the pain and the suffering that that could cause, will cause through natural consequences in our life. But his love for us does not waver. What if that was the message we told our neighbors? What if we told them that? You know, we, we wouldn't be so anxious about going to parties with them, would we? Like living life with them. If that was what we really believed. They wouldn't be so anxious or awkward about coming and talking to us about the parts of their life that were broken, would they? No. Not if we were accurately presenting the love that the Father has for them. There's a story in this book I want to read to you. It's, uh, I read it, part of it to our staff. This is a book called um, How to Change the World Through the Simple Power of Love, Compelled by Love, Hottie Baker. I'm just going to read a paragraph. People often hear about our church growth and ask, what's your strategic plan? I laugh. We are not smart enough for a strategic plan of our own. God's plan for, for strategic church growth was for us to simply stop What we were doing, go sit with the poor and learn how to love. Roland and I did this, but our goal was not to start a church growth movement. We sat in the street to learn about the kingdom from the poor and from the children. Later, blind eyes started to see, deaf ears started to hear, those who had crippled limbs started to walk. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are children, for theirs is the kingdom. You want to see what my love is like? Go spend time with the poor. Go spend time with children and watch how I love them. Watch how a parent and a child love each other. That's what my love is like. 
the last part of the verse, the part that I really want to kind of challenge us with today is uh, where it says, where Jesus says, do not hinder them from coming to me. And it's sad to think that we are probably our children's greatest obstacles to experiencing this kind of freedom and love I've just talked about. I mean, not all of us in the same way, but because they spend the most time with us and we're around them more, they see us in lots of different environments. And so from that, they discern what God's like. They think about God like they see me and Laura interact in our marriage. They think about God's love for them by the way that we love them, by the way that you love them, by the way the church loves them. They learn about love by the way their friends love them, their boyfriends and girlfriends love them. But more than all those other people, we are the ones who either hinder them from coming to Christ or encourage them in coming to Christ. You know, it was Jesus' followers were the ones, you know, the ones closest to Jesus were the ones that were rebuking parents from taking them to Jesus. And Jesus warns them, don't prevent them from coming to me. And again, our response is, I would never do that. I want my children to come to Jesus. I want to bring my children to Jesus. But we are the ones, like I said, that teach people what Jesus is like. So another little prayer I found, I think it's funny. What is Jesus like? A little boy was overheard praying, Lord, if you can make me, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time just like I am. You know, that's what kids think about God. Like, hey, I'm living life to, I have life. I love this. When I look around at what you're doing to people, my friends, the way they're acting when they get to know you, no thanks, I'm doing just fine on my own. You know, the other day I was, other week I was biking on my bike and uh, what's so funny about that? I was biking on my bike and I was coming around, coming back home on a loop, flying down the road and uh, noticed a woman just out of the corner of my eye. I zipped past her sitting at a bus stop and felt like the Lord said, go pray for her. Like, come on. I mean, I'm all clipped in. I got spandex on from like head to toe. You know, it's just not the time, Lord, for a lot of reasons, right? So I'm like, all right, I just told, it was like the Sunday I told the church about, you know, we need to be open all the time, being open. So like, I like slam on the brakes, turn around, I'm going through the parking lot. Maybe she's gone by now. So I go back and she's on the side. There she is. She's sitting in this bus stop. And I was like, all right. I said, um, Hey, uh, my name's Antley. I just, uh, I went by you. I was a blur. And uh, you probably didn't even see me. But um, just felt like God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. And that uh, I, f- I feel like I, I, I would like to pray for you. This, that, you know what her response was? I've tried to go to church more. I'm really trying to go to church more. I haven't been doing too good, but I'm really trying to go to church more. And I said, you know what? I said, Jesus doesn't care if you go to church. I said, the reason I'm here is to tell you that Jesus loves you, just like you are right here, right now. I mean, she reeked of alcohol, had alcohol. She was drinking alcohol, was drunk, basically passed out in the center of this bus stop. You know, I said, Sandra, 
Jesus loves you as you are right now. He loves you, wants to know that you're loved. Nothing else. There's nothing to add to that. There's nothing to take away from that. Can I pray for you? And she let me pray for her. I prayed for her and I left. Why is it that people's response when given the opportunity to experience God's love, do you want God's love? Is that they give excuse. I'm not, are you sure? Sure. I don't think I'm fit for God's love. I don't think that God wants my love. I don't think that I could, I, I should really be in God's arms and his hands. And I don't, I don't think I should do that. I'm too messy. I'm too dirty. That's because what, what, well, why would she think that way? She was taught that probably by her parents. Jesus loves boys and girls that are quiet and well-behaved. Jesus loves children that obey their parents. Jesus loves children that go to church. Jesus loves children that get good grades. Jesus loves children that are nice. Jesus' kingdom is for boys and girls who do these things and act in that way. Is a Christian person that plays by all the rules a part of God's kingdom? No, they're a Pharisee. That's what these stories were directed at. Yet, I think, with good intention, we use our spirituality, the Bible, church, and religion to conform our children into people that we think they should be at the expense of them having an understanding of what God's love is really like. Now, does that mean that the Bible's not a good instrument for teaching? No, it's the best. Does that mean that we shouldn't instruct our children? No, I'm not saying that. We absolutely, we are charged with that. We're responsible for that. I'm just saying, what's your priority? That your kid goes to college or your kid gets the kingdom? What's your priority? That they stop cussing or that they love Jesus? What's your priority? That they don't drink or they don't do drugs or that they love Christ? If you had to pick, what would you be willing to give up if, if God would guarantee your child a spot in his kingdom? Salvation forever. What would you give up? You give up anything. I'd give up anything. Whatever it was, I would give it up. I would stop to know that my children were going to be with Jesus. You know, I would give it up. And I would start doing anything if it meant for sure my kids were going to go and be with Jesus. Unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. You know, there's no formula for that. But we've made a formula, haven't we, church? We've made a formula for what it looks like for kids to get into heaven. And it looks like good behavior. It looks like us making them Pharisees. I mean, that's one of the things I love so much about our kids' worship here, you know, in the morning when we do that thing. You know, we've talked at times about not doing it anymore because it sets us back in the service too far. And what we come back to is it just reflects our values so clearly. Kids jumping around and running around and having fun and blowing on musical instruments out of tune and not at the right rhythm. That's what the kingdom of God's like. The best picture of God's kingdom, according to Jesus, is that five minutes we spend with our children. I mean, these, this is what he said. You want to see what my kingdom looks like? Look at the children. If you want to be a part of my kingdom, come to me as a child. The child's faith, not like ignorant like a child and not wise like a child. That's what it looks like. And I love that we do that in our church. It's important that we do that in our church. It's a value of our church. And when we watch our children worship, we are experiencing the kingdom of God. 
the picture I had whenever I was reading this Bible verse was of a few moms like bringing their babies over to Jesus, you know, and like kind of throwing them on them a little bit, you know, and Jesus like, whoa, hey, this is great, you know, and kind of like, whoa, there's another one here. And then all of a sudden, the disciples like, stop bringing the babies for the love of St. Christopher. He's got enough already. He's got important things to do. And they just keep coming. And then now, like, the, the older kids see it happening, and they kind of run over there and probably start jumping on him. Like, Dish. how you like that, Jesus? And grabbing his beard, you know, giving him wet willies and stuff. I think that's what would happen. If Jesus showed up here during our kids' worship songs, that's what we'd see. I'm convinced that that's what we would see. You think Jesus would float in and be like, how are your grades, kids? Have you cussed this week? Have you been mean to your sister? How many pieces of gum did you really have last night? I know these things. You think he would do that? No. He'd be like, what up, kids? Here I come, baby. Messiah's coming down the road. Come on, bring it. You know, and he would get down here and he'd be wrestling and playing and having fun with them. And he'd stick his head up in the middle of it and look at all of us and say, this is what my kingdom looks like. Do you want to play? Do you want to play? No, I like these rules, Jesus. <laughs> these rules are really important to me. I can control them. That looks kind of scary. I mean, what if you get me in a you know, naked arm bar choke right there? Yeah, and then you kill me. I'll just raise you from the dead. <laughs> you ever think about that? Wrestling with Jesus like MMA style? He could kill you and you just be brought right back. You could kill, like actually kill him and he'd just live too. Talk about a sparring partner. That'd be awesome. All right. You know, guys, this is our challenge for today. Are we willing to sacrifice the dreams that we have for our children so that they could experience the dreams that Christ has for them? Are we willing to sacrifice the dreams that we have for our children so that they could experience the dreams that Christ has for them before the creation of the world. He says, I've given each of you purpose and plan and things to do. Let's not be obstacles. Let's not hinder them from discovering what that is. And each of us, each of our children, each of our families are in different places. And so we need to be led by the spirit. We need to be trusting that God is better at leading us, leading our children and leading us than we are. God has entrusted us with a lot and we need to trust him with what he's trusted us with. I mean, I know what I'm telling you is not easy. It is not easy when we see our kids moving in directions that are not in the direction we would like for them to go. But let's not, or let's stop hanging rules and regulations and religion and things over them that might cause them to think that the direction they take in their life would cause God not to love them, would make it so that they could not come to him. The two areas I think God wants to do ministry in today are what are the dreams you have for your children that might hinder them from coming to Jesus and just giving those to Jesus today. Just, just picturing those in your mind and giving them to Jesus. What are the dreams 
that you had for your children. And if your children are grown and they love Jesus, that's great. But you can go back. Jesus can go back with you in time and bring healing and forgiveness where you placed hurdles in your children's lives that were lies about the kingdom. So that's the first thing. What are the dreams that you have for your children that might hinder them from experiencing Jesus? And just giving those to Jesus this morning. And then, when was the last time you came to Jesus as a child? When was the last time you came to Jesus just wanting to play, just wanting to receive his love? I think he really wants to pour out that love to us today. So why don't we stand?